You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Elaine Cameron Weir. Elaine, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Elaine, let's talk about your show, The Milk of Dreams. Uh, it was curated by Cecilia Alemani, who, of course, is the curator uh, of the Biennial this year, the, the Venice Biennale, and um, that ran, of course, throughout the Biennial, April to November 27th. Uh, let's talk about that, the milk of dreams. I, I've i been looking through this a lot, and, and I feel we should start perhaps with the title. Um, what, is, what, what does that title signify to you? The title of the Biennial, the milk of dreams? Um, mm. Yeah, was that was that is is that something you took into account when you know when making the work? You know, I mean, sometimes um, yeah, which is why I mentioned Cecilia. You know that 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 it fits into the the theme that that she was after in the show. Um, well, the work actually existed before I was asked to be in it, the biennial. So I I I kind of have a inclination to reshow work um a lot <laughs> so i it's it was previously shown at the henry museum in seattle and the title of that show was star club redemption booth and the title i'm really into titling and to to writing and like language and fragmentary language um so I guess to answer your question, the the title of the biennial, obviously it's not my title, <laughs> um, right. but I think it's sort of, you know, it broadly it does it does relate to like my the work obviously, um, but yeah, I haven't really thought too much about the title in my own work to be honest, in terms of the meaning. So let's let's, let's talk about the, the yeah some of the individual works. This is really an installation, of course, with. Uh, floor worked with and, and wires running up to the ceilings um, and its its main feature is these uh, body transfer cases which are really uh, they're coffins right they're caskets essentially that are that are metal and meant for mm-hmm. the military to bring home bodies in is, is that correct that's right yeah so yeah this the work is it, like you said, it's an it's an installation, and as I mentioned, it's the entire installation that was previously shown in a show in Seattle. And the cases you're referring to are they're not meant to bury uh, bodies in, so they're not technically caskets, but they're just for this like transport of human remains. Um, and that those two works. They're separate works, and they're called uh, Low Relief Icon Figure 1 and Low Relief Icon Figure 2. And they're essentially like the same object, objects, but if you look at the configuration of the um, artificial candles that are sitting on the, the cases, they're, they're arranged in a mirror image. So that's just, some, that's just a small detail that kind of differentiates them. Um, and yeah, they're, those cases I, I bought from a, um, I guess you would call him a military surplus reseller. And 
he's he was kind of like a I don't know I would maybe call him like a prepper or something like someone that kind of stockpiles equipment so I got that's where they came from but I'm not sure if they've ever been used I didn't I couldn't find any information kind of on their like I don't know provenance beyond the, like the, this man that I got them from so he was a prepper. I feel like I should ask you about that and him, but I, I want to ask you a few more inst- questions about the installations itself. So, you know, of course it feels like a memorial. It's, it's, it's very powerful. It's, of course, a very, um, uh, you know, for me, these are, this, it feels like, uh, like, a, like a memorial where we're talking about the dead. There's also um, in these two pieces that we're talking about, um, low relief icon there's cable running from them also which which goes to the ceiling right um that's a different element isn't it is, is that part of what came with these because that that seems almost like it's like they're attached to the heavens or it's it's but it's very industrial looking um what's happening there so that what you're referring to is like a pulley system that i've used in previous work a lot as a format, I guess, of something hanging from the ceiling from a pulley and then being counterweighted with another object or sandbag or some other element. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't come with the case. It's something that obviously that I've added, but it does, you know, it does kind of connect it to whatever height the room is in that the work is exhibited and it is adjustable so there's this idea of adaptability I guess or reapplying these works to different situations or like that kind of imagined use of hoisting something up um, so that yeah that's sort of implied in, in it being a pulley and not a fixed point I guess and, and and to step back and, and and look at the whole installation again, and I want to talk about other elements in it, but um, this is meant to essentially to to be a type of memorial, right? We're we're echoing um, elements of a of a funeral home here, among other things. Is is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's it is. You're you're right. It is meant to sort of evoke the idea of like ritualistic mourning or um, the kind of act of mourning or the like the circumstance or pomp of that in a way but it's also like it's really genuine as well you know in terms of it being a memorial but it's unspecific I guess if that makes sense like it's not to anyone in particular or you know if that makes sense it does and and there's there's one piece in there that um that i really like that's really two parts uh but also has a great title it's called right hand left hand grinds a fantasizer's dust and um and this is you know which is why i thought it was it's part of what might be a kind of uh, 
funerary backdrop, right? It's a stand. It could be flowers, but it's it's the most un, unusual element to, to me in it that that was really curious. The shape is almost like a like a letter or a form, um, but the title also right hand, left hand. You know, perhaps referring to the two different. So they go two different ways, almost like flowers, grinds of fantasizers, dust. Let's talk about that. Um, but the title alone really fascinates me, and, and, I, and I wonder what, what that's about or how that relates to the, to the show, the title itself, yeah. um, and the work. Sure, sure. So, yeah, as I said, I'm really into titling, and sometimes probably to, like, the annoyance of my audience because sometimes I have really, really long titles. Um, but I kind of can't help myself. But in this case, this came from a, a fragment of a poem that I wrote, actually, around the time I was making um, the work. So it's just a little snippet from that. But I guess in that bit, piece of writing, I was thinking about... Um, just this imagery of either kind of joining hands in a circle because when you do that you have you know your opposite hand is holding the hand of the person next to you or this imagery of like this of a villain kind of like rubbing their hands together um, mm. and that's the left hand and the right hand and also thinking about a little bit about like uh, left and right and political spectrum or like horseshoe theory, well, a little bit of all of that stuff, and then that kind of imagery of like grinding something, grinding like an idea into dust, and that could be like something nice like fairy dust, or it could just be like, you know, like grinding it down, like destroying it. So that's kind of um, what that, you know, where that came from. Um, and you're right, that work is, it's literally a funerary backdrop. Like, the, the skeleton of it is from a portable funerary backdrop that at one point had a curtain on it, so you could, or one could, um, you know, have these things brought to a home or somewhere atypical to have a funeral, and you could have a backdrop for whatever the ceremony was going to be. Um, so I took the curtain off it, and did other stuff to it but it is meant to travel and when you you know when you see it it looks like it collapses like it has all of these um bits of hardware and it's obvious that it, that it comes apart uh, yeah that's it's such a fascinating part of it to me that the shapes of that there's there's of course one other element i mean a number of others that we haven't talked about but of course what i imagine in a way draws people to this the most and it's such a telling part of it is there's all the candles on, on low-relief icon that you said was also mirrored on the other, um, you know, transfer case. The candles, you know, of course, symbolize this, this kind of mourning potentially, but they're also very, um, they're very unique in themselves, right? These, I don't know if they're made out of aluminum, but they're so curious and beautiful. They look like they're melting, but they're, they're metal, right? Is, is, is that what's happening there, along with these kind of electric mm -hmm. flicker bulbs in there? So they look like candles in different stages of melting but they um yeah the material looks really unusual and the way the materials work looks looks very much like wax but it has a silver color yeah they're they're cast aluminum and they're cast from wax 
so they're sort of like fake, fake candles. Um, and I've used, you know, I've used flame in my work previously, but this is sort of the first uh, fake flame, I guess, and it was sort of, I don't know, it just seemed to fit this art, this idea of like artificiality and kind of perpetual states or repetition that I was thinking about. Um, and these, the bulbs are, um, I guess they've kind of fallen out of fashion, but I think they were pretty popular for a while for fake candles, you know. Um, I think you probably get LED stuff now, but they're still around. But I think there's something about them that I like as well that they're a little bit, um, I don't know, they're a bit tacky or something. Like, they're not, they have this removal that personally I don't like. I, I don't, I really dislike mm. fake, like, faux finishes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's something there to me about, like, having them, like, needing them to be fake. Um, and mm, as yeah. you said, like, the, the, it looking melted and in different states of kind of, I don't know, use or whatever, however candle is consumed, they're kind of like just stuck the way they are. Yeah, I like that. They're a beautiful element in the, in the installation and the, in the, the cast aluminum is such an interesting um, texture and feel to it. I, I, I want to ask you a little bit about... Um, like the source for this, which you mentioned earlier. So you said the the transfer cases were bought from somebody who was a surplus supplier, but also kind of a, a prepper. That doesn't sound like your average army surplus supplier. Um, this was someone who's mm-hmm. kind of, if we can talk about that, um, because it somehow perhaps may feed into your, you know, your, the content of what's happening here. And, and as you mentioned, you know, the duality of right and left, but um, a prepper, is usually someone who's in a pretty extreme position, right? They're prepping for a kind of a, uh, a military assault on, on, on their property or, or the end of times or, or something like that, right? Disaster. Yeah. Um, well, I have to say, it's, it's, he didn't tell me he was a prepper, so, <laughs> but um, he did suggest that one use for these cases was to bury them on a property and fill them with weapons. So that led me to think that he might have some prepping inclinations. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's when you a lot of the military stuff that I end up getting for my work comes from sort of like interesting people, I suppose. Like you know, there's not like a store that you just go and like, I want this weird object. You kind of have to search for it. And a lot of the people that have searched for it and acquired it before you are, you know, they have their own motivations and reasons for acquiring this stuff. So, um, yeah, but I never, I never met him in person. He was, you know, we just transacted over the phone. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah I told him what I was doing with them, and yeah, he thought it was. Uh, he thought it was. You know, 
interesting to make them into a sculpture. Yeah. So that's what you told him. Yeah, I'm curious about that. How did you explain the the exhibition to him? You said you're using them for a sculpture, and did you explain more about it, or how did you summarize that quickly? I, just, I that's all I said. I just you know like ah, he's like, what are you using this for? And I told him a sculpture. He's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. very interesting. And that's it. <laughs> So uh, thanks for talking to me about this. It's um, it's really a beautiful installation, and I, I want to ask you one more question, which is off topic, but what are you reading at the moment? I'm always curious. Um, I have, I'm actually looking at this little stack of books right now because I'm traveling, so I brought just a few, but I recently read... Um, this little book by Hilton Owls called My Pinup, and it's it's about Prince, who's my favorite musician. It's just a it's a short little read, and that was, um, yeah, I loved it. Um, <laughs> mm. And I'm also reading The Body in Pain by Elaine Scarry. I've been trying to get through it for a long time, and I finally almost finished it. I don't know why, but I've just, I've had, I've just stopped and started it so many times. Um, and then I've just started Defacement by Michael Tausig, which is really great so far. Elaine, I want to thank you for talking with me today and uh, making this beautiful show. Congratulations on that. And, and also thank you again so much for your time. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.